on my setting the table card. My ride it. I can help people with special needs. These friends of mine don't know about God. If my friends started coming to church, I would feel happy. I put my friend's name on this puzzle piece, and I'm gonna like pray for him. The name that I wrote on my keychain represents my friend at school. I met her about two years ago, and we're really good friends. The friend's name who I put on the avocado, we met about in third grade. If my friend started coming to church, it would be a lot of fun because I get to hang out with her more and we can talk about Jesus. If my friend started coming to church, it would mean a lot to me because we could hang out more and we could like learn more about each other and more about Jesus. I decided that I was going to sacrifice getting my nails done because I was like super obsessed with that for so long. So I'm going to use that money over the next two years to um, give to the church. I'm going to do a bunch of mission trips and different camps this year, so I know I'm going to be spending a lot of money through church that way. But I'm also living pretty comfortable right now, so I know I can give more. So just trying to think of how much I can give and still be able to go to those things and not be totally broke. It's been really hard for me, but I've been praying about it this past couple weeks, so I think I'm at a spot where I can finally decide on a number. We've had these cards for a few weeks, and every time I look at it, my mind just kind of goes blank, and I don't really know what I'm going to write down, but tonight, after the prayer, I truly knew in my heart what I needed to do. It's just an overwhelming piece of you truly knowing what you're meant to do and just letting Him take control. Isn't that amazing? I love that. And real quick, can we just say hello to the video venue real quick? We know this place is packed. Just say, hey, we're glad that you are with us. And uh, again, what a special weekend this is. And to hear from our next generation. And we joke with them. We go, I know people call you the next generation, but really you're the now generation. Uh, because they don't look at us and go, you guys are the later generation, you know. And we say, no, we are the generation of God now. We are the people of God. We are the church of God stepping into all that he has for us. And again, we're celebrating being a church for the last 50 years and stepping in the next 50 years. And last weekend, this is what was so amazing. You heard those stories from our kiddos and the student ministry. And I was blown away by the generosity of our student ministry. Uh, you heard on that video, one of the ladies saying, you know what, I'm going to give up, get my nails done over the next two years. Years. I'm going to use that money to help set the table for others. And uh, there was one girl that said this. She goes, I actually have a real job now and I'm making real money. And she said, the Lord called me to give 20% of that back to him. We were blown away by that. Matter of fact, I want to share with you, these are students over the next two years are saying we are committed to giving this to setting the table over the next two years. Look how much the high school kids are committed to giving to God over the next two years. This was their final number after last Sunday night. $31,000, it was an amazing night. Now let me, uh, let, let me let you parents know, they didn't sign you up for that, okay? They're not like, I think my dad is good for this, right? You know, no, 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 no. They're saying we are responsible for this. God, we are responsible, we are gonna sacrifice. God, we are gonna pray, we are gonna step in, we are gonna work. Some of them are going, man, I got a bunch of stuff around my house, I'm just gonna sell, I'm gonna begin to move that on and begin to bless other people through this. And I love the heart of this because this is where we're at as a church family. As we celebrate 50 years, we look at how God started this church in a basement and now where we are today, and we look around this place and we go, this is more than any pastor or any church or any leader, this is a work of God. Because the church will always be Jesus' church. This is why he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
That was his promise. And so we step into the next 50 years with Jesus as he leads his church with his promise that he's going to build his church. And what we realize is this, God is saying, hey, Northside, I'm calling you as like you have for the last 50 years to step out in faith and to continue to make room. And we're saying we want to make more room. We're out of kids side space. Matter of fact, over the last two years in kids side alone, we have grown by 34%. Our weekend attendance over the last two years, we've grown by 20%. And we are just flat out out of room. And not only are we saying we want to expand this campus, we know this, we want to get out of debt over the next two years so we can begin to further the church and to begin to invest in more and more churches so everybody in our area, and we're believing God, we're, we're, I don't know if you know this, but we have 22 countries that tune in online. And watch this. We're going, we're in southern Indiana, right? We're going, what in the world? And here's the beauty of God. God's saying this, Northside, I have more for you than you have for yourself. Northside, I have bigger dreams for you than you have for yourself. This is why all I want you to do is what you've done over the last 50 years is to step into what I have for you. This is why I call, as I look through scripture and I look at where we are as a church right now, I call this just a monumental moment. And there's monumental moments all throughout the life of scripture. You see it in Jesus' life. There was a monumental moment when he spent 40 days in the desert praying and fasting before he started his ministry. It's a monumental moment there. And what we found in scripture is this. One of my favorites is this. My favorite book of the Bible is the book of Joshua. And it's just been on my heart. I remember reading it in 2000 when I was a freshman in Bible college. And it just captured my heart. There's leadership. There's all sorts of stuff in there. And it's this moment where after 40 years in the desert, Moses has led them out of Egypt. God has freed them from slavery. They've wandered in the desert. They've failed. And God picked them back up. And they failed. And they, God picked them back up. And they're Finally, here they are 40 years later. And what happens is this. They're at this monumental moment of going, thank you, God, for the last 40 years. But what does the next 40 look like? And we're in the same boat. Thank you, God, for the last 50 years. But what does the next 50 years look like? And here's the beauty of this passage. Listen what happens in Joshua chapter 1 because God always directs our steps. We don't have to come up with the future. We don't have to just bring, you know, kind of dream big plans. All we need to do is step into what God has for us. And listen what God does in Joshua chapter 1. I love it. This is how honest he is to Joshua. He says this in verse 1. He says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, who was Moses' aide. Joshua walked with Moses everywhere. He was Moses' aide, and he says, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, all the Israelite millions of people, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. And he goes on, he says this in verse 5. He says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's saying, Joshua, don't worry about the future. I know your leader, Moses, who's been with you for the last 40 years is dead. But don't worry. As I was with Moses, so I'm going to be with you. I'm going to guide you. And then he goes on to say this three times in verse 6 through 9. He says this, Joshua, you be strong and courageous. You be strong and courageous. You lead in the next 40 years, Joshua, well. And here's the deal. You lead, and here's what you got to do. Don't depart from my word. Man, feast on my word. You feast on my presence. I'm going to guide you into the future, Joshua. And then he says this in verse 9. He says it to him again. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified and do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Man, isn't that good news for us today? 
Then as we celebrate the past, we also don't have to worry about the future because over and over again, God was telling Joshua, hey, just as I was with Moses, so I'm going to be with you. And he's saying the same thing with us. Northside, just as I was with you over the last 50 years, I'm going to be with you over the next 50. You just need to be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Step into what I have for you. But this was the phrase, the first thing that I love that God told Joshua. And this is, I think, something we need to hear today. I don't know if you notice this, but the first thing he tells Joshua is he says, hey, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready. Now get ready. If you're taking notes, man, this is what God is telling you today. Matter of fact, can we just say that phrase out loud together on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three. Get ready. And that's what God's saying. He's saying, Northside, get ready. As you have seen me work over the last 50 years, as the church was planted in a basement and relocation after relocation and expansion and movement and the kingdom of God coming here to Southern Indiana and going around the world, what he is telling you and I for the next 50 years is this, get ready. Make get ready. That's the first thing God tells Joshua. I know, I know Moses is gone, but guess what? Get ready because I will never leave you nor forsake you. That was actually Jesus' last words to the disciples in Matthew 28 when he went back to heaven to rule and reign over all things. He said, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. As you and I are thinking and planning about what God is doing in the life of our church and what he's calling you to do as we set the table together, he's just simply saying this, I am with you. I am with you. You just need to be strong and courageous. Now, let me be honest with you for a moment. Even though I'm a pastor, there's moments for me that I'm not always strong and courageous. Matter of fact, there's a lot of times where I'm weak and terrified. And I'm going, Lord, I don't have the strength I know you're calling me to be strong and courageous. How am I supposed to do this? How? And this is the beauty. This is why when we read God's word, he continues to speak to us. Matter of fact, I've read the book of Joshua dozens of times. This is why I love that book. Man, be strong and courageous. It appeals to it. Come on, Nate, step up to the plate. You can do this. All of a sudden, I love God's word. But sometimes in those moments, I don't know how to be strong and courageous. And this is why we got to keep reading God's word. Because what's amazing is I've read this before, but I totally missed this in, Genesis, in Joshua chapter 3. But listen what happens. God tells Joshua how you and I are to be strong and courageous. Today, we're going to do something very strong and courageous. We're going to step out in generosity, and we're going to begin to set the table for the next generation to know and follow him. But what's beautiful about it is this. God always lays out how he wants us to be strong and courageous. You don't have to figure it out. You just have to follow him. And listen what it says in Joshua chapter three. Here they are. They're about ready to cross the Jordan River. Everybody's terrified. They're like, we know he parted the Red Sea, but is he gonna part the Jordan River? You ever been there? God, I know you did this in the past. I just don't know if you're gonna do it today. And he's like, well, what makes you think that? Tell me a time that I haven't been faithful to you. God's saying, I've always been faithful. And they're finally at this moment where they're about ready to cross the Jordan River. And listen to what it says in Joshua chapter 3. And this is verse 2 through 3. Listen to what happens here. It says, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp. They're about ready to cross the Jordan River. And they gave the orders to the people. They say, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Now, now, let me speak about the Ark of the Covenant again. Anybody seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? All right. Anybody still have nightmares from the Raiders 
I watched that movie when I was eight years old. Not the age, right? People's faces are melting off. I'm just looking around like, what is going on? You know, everyone's like, I told you, listen to the Lord or your face is going to melt off. You know, you know. No, but in that movie, they they, they want to find the Ark of the Covenant because in the Old Testament, in this moment, the Ark of the Covenant represented the literal presence of the Lord. That God wasn't just saying, hey, I'm with you. No, he was, his presence was in the Ark. And what they did was this. All they had to do was follow the Ark of the Covenant. All they had to do was pay attention to God's presence. Wherever the Ark goes, they need to go. And this is why they said, hey, Israelites, here in three days when we start moving out, all you need to do, you keep a watch on God's presence, and whenever you go, you begin to follow that. Now, here's the deal for us today. When Jesus came here on earth, his command was this, follow me. You follow me. And what they did was this. He was saying, it's no longer about the Ark of the Covenant. It is about me. And here's what happened. We saw Finley get baptized today. And what happens is this. When you begin to to place your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and to say, Jesus, you lead and you rule my life, what happens is this, the Holy Spirit begins to come into your life. And now just like the presence was in the ark, the presence of God is in you and I. And all you and I need to do is follow the presence of God in our life. You don't have to come up with the dreams. All you and I need to learn how to do is this, become great followers of the presence of God in our lives. See, this is what was happening here. They're going, you don't have to worry about the next 40 years, Joshua. The Israelites, you don't need to worry about what God's doing. You just need to follow the presence. When you see the Ark of the Covenant move out, you begin to step into it. And then this is why in verse 4, and man, this spoke to my heart. Listen to what it says in verse 4. Because then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. We are at a monumental moment in the life of our church. Where we are as a church, we have never been this way before. And the thing that you and I need to do is this. We need to follow the presence of God God like never before. Because then we will know which way to go. He goes on to say this, but keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Well, which is it, right? Are we supposed to follow the ark? Or are we supposed to stay a thousand yards away? Here's our whole thing that God is saying as you begin to set the table, as you begin to be strong and courageous, here is how Northside, we are going to be strong and courageous followers of Jesus today. It's this. It's two simple things. You may want to write this down in your setting the table journal or on your outline. It's simply this, that you and I follow his presence and live in reverence. That this is what the next 50 years for us looks like that we would follow his presence and live in reverence. See, the whole journey about you and I today as followers of Jesus is this, that you and I would be following the presence of God in our life. That later on at the end of our service in our commitment card, we're saying, hey, what we give, what we begin to set the table is this, I can't tell you what to give, all I can do is this, you follow the presence of God in your life. You follow what God is calling you to do. You begin to step into everything that he has for you. And that's what they were calling the Israelites to, is you follow the presence of God in your life. Matter of fact, I've loved the conversations with several of us here as people begin to begin to pray about what they've called them to give and all this other stuff. And what was amazing, I had a conversation with one of our staff members and uh, she came up to me and she said, Nate, I don't know if it's because I had bad pizza last night or Jesus speaking to me. And I'm like, well, well, bring it on, what is it? And she said, I know what God's calling me to give, but she said, there's one of the boxes in there is talk about your stored resources. And is there extra and different ways that you can give to God? And she said, I felt like Jesus told 
told me, do not buy any new clothes for the next year and you use that money and set the table. And I said, man, sounds pretty good. What's the problem? She goes, I like to buy clothes. <laughs> and I said, fair enough. Fair enough. And uh, we began to talk about that. And she said, is that weird? What am I supposed to do? I said, well, you're following the presence, right? I said, you're not trying to do that to impress God, right? Because he, he's not looking to be, we can't impress him. All we can do is follow him. I said, she said, you're not, you're not trying to impress him. No, I, I feel like that's what he's calling me to do. But she said, is that weird? I said, no, this is the beauty of all of us following God. He's going to call you to do something. And he's going to call me and Ruthie and our family to do something else. And it's the beauty and the encouraging. Then she came back. And this, this is so neat. She said, the next, this is so incredible. She came up to me. and She said, Nate, you're not going to believe this. She said, I made the decision for the next year. I'm not going to buy any new clothes. And I'm going to use that money. And I'm going to help set the table with that. And uh, she had this sweater on, and, and she's one of our staff members, she said, and, and she goes, I have this cool story about this sweater. I said, I thought you weren't supposed to buy any clothes. You know, like, wait a second. She said, no. She said, literally, the next week when I was here in the office, one of our, uh, we, we have different people who volunteer to come in and be admins and do different stuff, and we have a volunteer receptionist, and she said she walked in this week with a bag full of clothes. And she said, hey, do you know anybody who could use a size this, this, and this of clothes? Because I have a bunch of used clothes I'm looking to get rid of. And she said, I just sat there and I went, actually, those are my size. And she said, God brought me this bag of used clothes. And, uh, and typically when we go, oh, used clothes, she said, but here's the kicker. She said, this lady buys clothes nicer than me. And so I got a bag of used clothes that are nicer than anything I would ever buy for myself. And I just sat there, I go, man, I love when we follow God's presence. And she, she literally, she said, is that too small to celebrate? I said, are you kidding me? That is exactly what we celebrate. That's exactly what we celebrate. That you and I, we listen to the whispers of God in our life. God, are you saying this to me? This doesn't make sense. God, are you telling me to not get my nails done over the next two years? That's not the mandate for every man, woman, and child in here. Don't get your nails done. No. The whole thing is you and I following God, following his presence and living in his reverence, living in this awe of God of saying, God, you are doing something. And now what she said is so neat. She goes, every time I put on those clothes, she goes, it reminds me of God's blessing every day in my life. That, God, you are my provider. Not only do you call me to something, God, you provide for me. You walk with me, and I'm going to live in reverence. This is why when they say stay a 1,000 yards away from the Ark of the Covenant, matter of fact, there was someone who touched the Ark of the Covenant, and they were killed because God had said, don't touch it. And can I be honest with you for a second as Christians? I think too many times we acknowledge the presence of God, but we don't live in reverence of the presence of God in our life. And when things in our life, our relationships with God, maybe the relationships with others, when those things begin to die, a lot of times it's because we lost the reverence of God in our life. We've lost the awe of God in our life. And when they say, stay a thousand yards away from the ark, he's not saying, I don't want to be near to you. What he's saying is this, would you have awe of me? I remember somebody bought me a hat in Bible college because they're like, hey, this reminds me of your personality. There's a slogan back in the early 2000s that were really popular. It was this phrase, Jesus is my homeboy. And they got, I don't know if you remember those shirts and hats. And I remember, and I loved it, man. It was red. It was a red trucker hat. It was awesome, man. I remember wearing that. And it was so cool. And yes, Jesus says this. When we become a follower of him, we are his friend. He is our friend. But here, let me just remind you, he is not just our friend. Man, he is our savior and he is our Lord. 
And man, there is a reverence and an awe that you gave your life for me. I don't have any friends who have given their life for me. But I do have a heavenly father who has sent and given us his son. And yes, he is a friend, but he's not just a friend. He is more than that. And this is what Joshua says in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. He says, I want us to follow his presence and live in reverence. And then listen to what he says in verse 5. Joshua then told the people, consecrate yourselves. Meaning this, begin to set your lives apart to say, God, my life belongs to you. You are not just my savior and friend. You are the Lord of my life. I'm going to listen to the whispers that you put into my heart and into my life. He says, consecrate yourselves, set yourselves apart. And then this is what he says, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Could it be that a little bit of the times when we don't see the Lord doing amazing things among us, It's because we're not following his presence and living in his reverence. See, what Joshua says is this. When we begin to follow his presence and when we begin to live in his reverence, we begin to see God do amazing things among us. We begin to see God do incredible things. On February 12th, it was an amazing moment when we gathered as one church and one location and we stepped back and we just looked back and we we went, Oh my, Lord, look what you're doing. And this is what we believe deep down in our heart. The Lord's like, oh yeah? You ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. I've got more for you to do. I've got more for you to step into. I have more plans. I have more purpose for your life. I have more provision than what you could ever think of. And yeah, it might come in the form of used clothes, but it's going to be nicer than the clothes you have right now. Even though I got more for you, you just need to begin to follow my presence and live in my reverence and to begin to see God work in us. And here in a little bit, what's going to happen is this. We're going to take our commitment cards. We got them out there. And we're going to have time to pray over them and to begin to say, God, how are you calling me? We're not here to impress him with our generosity. We're just here to follow him in our generosity. To say, God, you are calling as a church to step out, to trust you. And I'll be honest, when I first got this card, there was a wrestling with God. You know, on the back, they've got numbers. Hey, this is just a tool to help you think generosity. I picked out my number. And like I said at the Yum Center, I'm like, the number I picked out was not the number God picked out. And uh, we had to talk about that. And uh, we had to talk about that with Ruthie and rest a little bit. And now the joy of where God is calling is, and man, we're making sacrifices. We've never been this generous before, but the joy of following him is greater than any joy we've ever experienced in our life. And before we fill out the cards, before we move on, I just want to take a moment for us to celebrate and hear about those who have gone before us in our advanced commitment night at the Yum Center Would you take a listen to how God worked and has moved in a mighty way already? Take a listen to this video. the table is truly building a legacy of who Jesus is, just telling people, inviting people in and letting them know who Jesus is and not trying to complicate it, just trying to say Jesus is love, Jesus is good. Setting the table for us means 
stretching out, stretching out to strangers, stretching out to people who we wouldn't normally think we'd have at our dinner table. God's always been faithful, so it's kind of our turn to uh, turn the table just a little bit to give back what He so freely gave to us. We made our commitment today as a family and it felt really good to do that. We're excited to see what they do with the kids' ministries. We have growing kids, so as they grow, we love to see other kids and we want them to get involved in ministry as well. So with the growth of the church, this will give them the opportunity to do that too. We've been planning for a while we had our card all filled out and ready to go and it was exciting to drop it in the box. God can take anything that we have. You know, just like Nate had talked about the little boy with the fish and the loaves of bread and how he was able to feed thousands with that. So with our talents, with our abilities, we can really show the love of Christ to everybody and just really make an impact in our communities. I just love being a part of a church that's active and moving and seeking to make disciples. The whole renovation of our church is for the purpose of making room, setting the table for more people. Getting to worship with my church family is just a great time, and getting to worship with this awesome small group that I'm surrounded by, just amazing. I just thought it was cool that we could all come together in the same place at the same time, be able to worship and just listen to how we can further the kingdom and setting the table. Generosity to me means giving what you don't necessarily think you can give. So whatever God wants you to give, you have to pursue it with your whole heart. It was just a wonderful feeling to go down in front and so many people uh, doing the same thing and just shows the spirit of this church and how God's moving in a mighty way. Just having 5,000 people leave Southern Indiana in the rain to come and worship with one another is the most amazing thing ever. It was over 5,300 here tonight, so it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. What setting the table means to our family is that we are setting a place for future generations. We've got three kids. We need to invest in the future of what faith looks like for the Louisville and New Albany area. So jump on in there and find yourself a seat. God moment that was, wasn't it, man? I love reflecting on that. And to hear the stories, what was incredible was that the follow-up conversation with some folks saying, man, this is the first time I've ever given back to God. And to know as part of setting the table, this isn't something from our normal operating budget. What we're saying is everything that we're doing is coming underneath the heading of setting the table. Our normal giving is about connecting unconnected people to Jesus Christ. And not only that, it's about creating more room in our renovations. And the goal is over the next two years, not only do we want to do our mission and expand the church, we want to cancel all of our debt that we have over the next two years. So we say, God, not only is this place ready to go, Lord, we're ready to step in. We're ready to follow your presence. Because, Father, we're going to live in reverence of you. We're going to follow you. You have all that we need, and we are going to follow you. Matter of fact, that's what this card is all about. It is just simply a tool to help you follow what God is calling you to do. To say, Father, what are you calling me to do? Some of you are going, hey, this is going to be my first time to step out in generosity. We've talked to some of us, and uh, some of the people here, they're going, Nate, God has called me to give more than I've ever given before. Some of you stepped out and you were given a four, a five, a six, even for some of you, a seven figure amount. And you're going, God is calling me. I, whoa, whoa, Lord, you're calling me. And what's happening is you're experiencing the presence and the power of God in your life in a fresh way. And here's the beauty of it. It's not about all of us becoming equal givers. It's about 100% of us in this room engaging our heavenly father and following 
his presence. That's all he's asking us to do. You just follow what I have for you. Matter of fact, what's so neat is in this card, it just kind of walks through a little bit to say, hey, how you fill this out is because this is a two-year initiative that we're doing, we just say, hey, the first line is, this is what I would normally give in a year. You fill that out. Then the next line is to say, God, what are you calling me to give as an expanded generosity? And you put that in the second line, that total times two. And then to say, God, is there some stored resources that you have? God, is there something that you're calling me to do? Matter of fact, we've had people call in. They've already donated stock. They said, hey, we want, we want to give this. We've had people call in. They go, hey, we have land to sell, and we want to give it to the church so that that profit can go to this. And we go, yes, and thank you. Awesome. I don't have land, but we will accept that. It's amazing because here's what's happening. People are simply engaging the presence of God. And really, you're going, hey, I, you know, that, that's just a tool. The most important thing is just whatever that number is that God is calling you to fill in in the black box and then your information. And here's what we're going to do. We know there's been wrestling in the Ross household over this. We have talked about this. We have gone back and forth. We've prayed over this. And what we want to do is we want to create some time for you right now. Matter of fact, I'm gonna invite you, even though you know, I filled out a card at the Yum Center and Ruthie and I put it in there, even if you filled out a card at the Yum Center, we want you to fill out one because we're gonna invite all of us to begin to put a card in here in a little bit. I'll direct us in that moment, but we want everybody, even if you've already filled one out, it's a symbolic moment of filling out and dropping it in the bucket together. I promise we won't add your numbers up, all right? Matter of fact, I've got to do this four times. We better not, okay? Or I'm gonna to have to talk to some people like, no, 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 just one, right? But here's what we want to do in this moment right now. We want to create some margin for you in the presence of the Lord to begin to say, God, how are you calling me to set the table? And here's what I know. When I started out filling this, I had a very cautious number because that's what I could do. And what God called me to was a courageous number as to what he could do. And right now, over the next couple moments, I just want to invite you just in your seats. Maybe you need to talk to your spouse right now and talk about this. For some of you, you already know what that number is. Just fill this out. And what I'm going to ask you to do is just in this moment, begin to fill the card out and then all guide us in our next steps. But just right now, take a moment to be with the Lord, to talk, to pray, and to write. And then I'll guide us into our next step right now. But right now, let's spend some time with the Lord and fill out our cards and I'll come and tell us our next step. Let's do that right now.
hope that was a good moment just to wrestle with the Lord and begin to step into what he has for you. And here's what I'm gonna ask us to do. We're gonna be able to worship here in a moment. I'm gonna invite you. We've got stations all along the front, along the back that when we begin to worship, I'm just gonna invite you, this is just a big symbolic moment of us. It's a monumental moment for us to say, God, we celebrate the last 50 years. You have been with us, you have guided, you have provided everything that we have needed. And so Father, we're gonna step into the next 50 years with you. And so what I wanna invite you to do is when you're ready, as we start to worship, just to bring your cards down and begin to place in here and to say, Father, we are stepping in, we are following your presence in our life and we're gonna live with reverence all the days of our life. And God, we are in with you. And so when you're ready, as we worship, feel free to bring the card down, then return to your seat. We're gonna worship together and then I'll tell us what we've got coming up. We got a little celebration at the end. So when you're ready, bring your card down as we worship together as a church family. Let's set the table. <laughs> 